Ching. Hello, my little, <laughs> my little friends. This is Latex Larry coming what? from Pod Slave America, the ultimate BDSM podcast. We are so glad to be coming to you on the iHeartRadio network. <laughs> uh, and let me hear you out there. I want all dubs, subs, doms, <laughs> uh, slaves, masters. And I want everybody who has ever been hit with a whip to listen up because we are ready to roll. I hate that. You like that? Oh my god. No. You have nothing to put on but your chains. Yeah, you have listen, yeah. We are I am I cannot tell you I cannot tell you how enough how badly I do not want to be uh whipped by somebody. <laughs> we don't need to get into any of this. I don't wanna be I don't wanna be beaten. I don't wanna be made to walk like a dog on all fours. <laughs> my god, this fin dom thing? This that's where it's how people goth pay people. girls make money. Yeah, money? yeah, it's it's like the e girl job. But don't you just like not do anything? They just send you money. Yeah, they're like, here is all my money, and they want to be drained. They they call it being drained, which is, really I really don't like that. Yeah, they're like, can you drain me? And then you, they're you're like, yeah, I guess you probably do something else, but not sexual, I don't think. And then they send you their money, and presumably they they uh, commit the sin of onanism to that act. <laughs> Uh, spill their seed upon the land, which I think is a sin. Um, I don't think that that's a good thing. No. And it's the thing is, here's the thing. I want women to give me money. So I'm like a reverse pay pig. I'm a, well, I am a pay, I'm a pay hog. I would like to hog all the pay that you get from your job. You give it to me. You should start that. I'm the landlord of the house of love, baby. Uh, yeah, I don't know, Liz. Would you give me money? No. Under what circumstances would you give me $100? Um, if you really needed it. Oh, that was an uncharacteristically sweet answer. That's I'm true. I'm always sweet. No, yeah. That's, I'm cowering right now. Mm. I'm actually, I'm recording Is this. Is this part of the Finn dom this is, thing? Yes, I gotcha. <laughs> I just dommed you into doing this. Welcome. This is my name is Dom Perignon, and welcome, <laughs> welcome to the exotic car plus latex slave happy hour. Okay, let's just shut this. Bit when down. I was in LA, I don't know if I mentioned this in the past podcast, but we were in LA. They were calling happy hour golden hour. I know you hated that. I fucking hated that. It doesn't sound right. It's not. It's not right. The golden hour for those of you who don't have girlfriends, which should probably be close to a hundred percent. Uh, a golden hour is what girls call the time of day when they go outside to take pictures of themselves, yeah, right? Yeah, when the Instagram light is perfect. Uh, when is it? It's like five? Yeah. I guess it, it's sunset, right? It's just what like, girls call no, sunset. No, like before sunset. Mm. But so when the like sun's the up. Movie. Mm. Mm. But, uh, no, it's like a couple, like an hour or so before. When I was in Afghanistan with Naval Intelligence. Oh, God. Uh, I remember there was this one this day true. when we were driving down the Kabul Highway, the Kabulian. Kabul? Highway. Kabul. Okay. Yeah, we were we were in the Humvee, and we were going about four miles an hour because we had several uh, children stuck in the wheels. Um, 
And I was like, fellas, wouldn't it be crazy if we just stopped on the side of the road right now and just screamed and just yelled? And I taught my, that was when I taught an entire platoon of child killing madmen how to primal scream. <laughs> Did it come in handy? Yeah, I was eventually at a certain point. So this was before McKinsey, but at a certain point when I was in the Navy, they, they plucked me from Afghanistan mm. and they brought me to Quantico. Uh, and they just had me, they just had me take the, take the guys out and we just primal screamed. And now for those listeners out there who haven't done this before, what you do is you just go to your closest loved one or family member and then surprise them (laughs) by screaming as loud as possible at them and weeping. And it's nothing like it in the world. Okay. So I know you're like on extended bit, Mm -hmm. but I legit think that Mayor Pete does that. Oh, so my, we talked about this earlier. I know we don't want to talk about all of it, but this his. Do you think it's a sex thing? What? It, no, I just like okay. I can't get the image of him making his little rat fist mm-hmm. in the at the debate when he was angry. Yeah, I've been hanging out with like, Liz for about eight hours, and she said that she talked about this rat fist a lot. <laughs> it just stuck with her. A little little monkey's paw mm-hmm. <laughs> that he makes. Speak on fist. it. And it's like, okay, I said the other night, mm-hmm. like, I think Mayor Pete is a cutter. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you could see, like, in his little beady rat eyes mm-hmm. that he was trying. It's like, I bet when he was making the little rat fist that he was, like, scratching the inside of oh, his palm. Yeah. Cause he's like, probably got trying like, to make it bleed slightly, so he could, like, feel the anger and He's the got pain. this Willard. Have you seen Willard? Mm-mm, but I know it's about too, it. He's got, like, a Willardian it's energy. It's, like, not my... I get scared. Of rats? Just of things. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> But a, I swear, girl. like, I can see him, like... Okay. What do you think he does? It Legs? Uh, I mean, that's classic. Mm-hmm. He does have kind of that, like, teen girl. <laughs> yeah, he does. But, like, can't you also see him, like, getting off the phone, getting bad news from... Liz Smith, no mm-hmm. relation. Yes. Well, the relation, there's one degree of separation because I did have sex with her. Yeah, no relation to me. Yeah. And but I mean, just, I, I also phone. know both of you. Excuse me? I said, I know both of you. Okay. I said, I know both of you. <laughs> okay. Go on, go Don't on. Don't make me call up correct the record, mm-hmm. David Brock. Go on, go on. Okay. I'm going to keep saying speak on it. Episode, speak on it. <laughs> so, can't, okay, can't you see him like having a bad call? Getting bad news. It would only be about like his chance to become world leader. Yeah. Nothing personal or anything like that. He doesn't give a shit about anything. I don't even. Yeah. 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 And he like goes into his massive, like obnoxiously, like beautifully decorated kitchen and gets in the pantry, closes the door Mm -hmm. and like takes off his belt and just bites it down. And it's like, oh, like screaming and like, like, and fucking like. Gripping it so hard that like uh-huh. blood is streaming out of his cuticles, mm-hmm. and he's just like tears down his face. And then he's got like cheekbones at this and then, point, like a fucking psycho. Mm-hmm. He just like calmly takes it out, puts it back on, uh-huh. wipes the sweat off his face, washes his hands for a long time, washes his hands, and then is like, Jason, are we making, are we doing baked ziti? Mm-hmm. Is it baked ziti night? <laughs> So, as you 
you may have surmised, we are reporting live on the campaign trail. We have been attached to Tulsi Gabbard's campaign for the past two weeks. Base Tulsi. Uh-huh. I have been doing, I'm her personal trainer. I've been training her <laughs> to combat the deep state. Uh, we are, oh, Young Chomsky's a little mad. Well, sorry, she's my co- client. Uh, <laughs> I have many clients, and she is one of them. Uh, I also do uh, Warren as well. <laughs> we do jogs <laughs> yeah. together. Uh, but we are we are hot off the heels of one of the one of the second scandals of the century. Uh, that didn't make sense. Another scandal of this century: the Iowa caucuses. Mm, yes, fracas, caucus, fracas. Uh huh. And uh, it's been a few days. Uh, Liz and I have actually been on a Hawaiian cruise, so we've really been unable to find out the results until tonight. But I was pretty surprised. Uh, yeah, Jeb won. Please clap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it, it turns out that Bernie Sanders with his racist coalition could not take out, uh, the, the Navy guy. A little rat face. Yeah. Okay. Guy. So before we get into this, a couple things. Introduce ourselves. Yes. My name is Liz. My name is, uh, Pete Buttigieg's dead father, <laughs> Joseph, uh, uh, who's a good one I haven't done yet? Otto, Joseph Scorzani Buttigieg. <laughs> and we are joined by my one of my clients. I'm a personal trainer, Young Chomsky, our, the, who's also producer of this podcast. We do that in exchange for me doing weights with him, or showing him how to do weights, rather. Uh, and we are True Anon. Yes, True Anon. And we, a bunch of people have asked us, mm-hmm. we should say, to, as you were saying earlier, speak on. Speak on it. The Iowa caucus fracas. Mm-hmm. The raucous caucus fracas. Because if I were the New York Post, that's what I would call it. This is right in our field house, A. B, there is a Jeffrey Epstein connection mm. with a certain uh, shadowy corporation. Mm. And C, uh, it was uh, a scandal. It's all in the news. It's all up in the papers. Mm-hmm. Or is it? We are ripping everything here for the headline. So where should we start? Oh, God. Okay, so... Well, a couple things. Mm-hmm. Pete and Sanders are going to walk out with the same number of delegates, correct? Yeah, well, I call them delis, but yeah, they got they both got dub delis. Is dub 11? No. Dub is two. Um, dub plus nine delis. <laughs> yeah. 11 delis. They each delis. got 11 delegates, so That's or that's what it seems like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are recording, what's, what's today, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday? Today's Saturday, Liz. <laughs> today is Thursday. It's Thursday night, so God knows what's going to happen. I feel, we were just at uh, the Tartine Workers Organizing Rally. Mm-hmm. And very good, couple hundred people there. Very good showing. It's yes, a bakery very exciting. In, uh, the Bay Area, several, New Bakers Union in San Francisco, um, and uh, after the rally, I was looking at my phone, and it seems like lots of things are changing real quick. So we're mm-hmm. gonna just try and go with what we know. Yeah. So apologies if things change by the time this comes out, but yeah. our analysis will still be relevant because we are. Big brains over here at turn on, mm-hmm. and we're correct. I also have big muscles, but yeah, big <laughs> brains as well. I'm the brains. Bra- he's the. I am the bronze. bronze. Yes, <laughs> I am the bronze, uh, the brains age pervert. Yes. Uh, and and so well 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 so what 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 happened? We had some caucuses, right? It was the first. They call it the first in the nation. And Iowa is actually it's crazy. It is the home of the KKK. About forty five to fifty five percent of the population is in the Klan. 
And apparently Bernie Sanders was able to win them over. <laughs> no. Okay. So I think every one of our listeners know by now. Yeah. What the happened? The Iowa caucus was a fucking disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, it was chaos. There was a bunch of caucus sites that were misreporting data, it looks like. There were some issues with rounding. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that one. Uh, yeah, but I was kind of um, sympathetic to that because I also have issues with rounding. Yeah, there are just some weird Put recording Put my arms around in too many women. But um, beyond like the actual literal issues, mm-hmm. it seems like the bigger issue has been the discourse. Yeah, yeah. I've been unhappy with it. And it seems, <laughs> here's the thing. I think a lot of people, there's a big difference between 2016 and 2020. 2020. 2020. <laughs> 2020. Uh, because I think in 2016, there was a lot of people who maybe like didn't really get how things worked entirely yet. And they were like, why is the New York Times being so unfair? Or like, mm. why is MSNBC saying something that like I know isn't true? They must just be wrong or they must be stupid. Mm. Mm-hmm. They're just dumb and got it wrong. Uh, or they're selling me out or something like that. And I think in 2020, a lot of people realized that, no, like we're dealing with an enemy. Mm. That has many, a snake with many heads. Yes. The many headed hydra. Octopus. Oct, mm, I've, you know. The octopus. Yeah. That's where I was going with that. mm, Not the other thing. Yeah. Well, it's a little Jewy. Okay. Let's do snake. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it's, um, it's the many headed hydra. And one of those heads is media. Yes. And, uh, and boy, has that snake been hissing. Yeah, I think it's been interesting because it seems like uh, one of the uh, battles in the discourse has been, is this a conspiracy or is this, um, like, idiocy? Mm -hmm. And it's funny, or, like, you know, just incompetency, I should say. is probably better. Yeah. And um, I really, like, I don't think that's, like, a helpful way of even, like, framing this okay speak on it (laughs) i just think that like um you know because basically you know a bunch of bernie uh people and i'm sympathetic to this um you know feeling is you know they're like this is rigged we're being robbed yes you know this is a conspiracy Mm -hmm. etc etc and then you've got other people on the other side that are like it's not a conspiracy. It's just that everyone's incompetent, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I, I just think that this is like I, this is something I say a lot on this podcast and elsewhere. So apologies that I keep repeating myself, but like um, the incompetency is a feature, not a bug. Yeah. Right. And so the idea of this being like uh, like it's kind of both and. Is kind of what I'm getting at. Like, the fact that all of these institutions, and we'll get into the apps and the companies and the private contracts, and basically the entire grift of political consultancy, like, as a Mm -hmm. fucking business and occupation. Like, the fact that those people are absolutely, undeniably incompetent is, like, part of the existence of that those institutions. So, like, you can't separate out like the the sort of the the liars, the thieves, and the the sort of scam artists 
who make up the consultant class. Yes. Uh, from like the Democratic Party, for instance, and from their function within the party. Yeah, and like so that function is to do exactly like what happened, for instance. Yeah, and not in a sense that like like look, it doesn't ha- it doesn't have to be, and it isn't a smoke filled room. Yeah. These institutions are structurally like <laughs> their existence is for like in order to ensure the incompetency. Like it's not I mean I know, it's not that explicit but like that's what the entire um you know that's the whole grift. Yeah, I mean like with these with these companies especially that were involved in Iowa. I mean it's like these same kind of crew of people they sort of just float from campaign to campaign or project to project, and they make a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. That, okay, so, and uh, uh, apologies, because I'm like kind of jumping all over the place. But it's like, you know, a lot of people rightly pointed out that, for example, uh, there are people affiliated with the Pete, Mayor Pete campaign that also were affiliated with the develop, the companies involved in the development of the app that broke the entire caucus. Mm-hmm. Who were also involved in 2016, you know, Hillary Pacs, who were also involved with or come out of the kind of what what I call at least the Obama boys, which is like the original media yeah. grifter consultant class, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like that does this isn't like conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy. It's that these people all make up the consulting class. Exactly. Or like it's like I, I think to put it a different way too, like this isn't a conspiracy because they're not the intruders like you are. Right. Like they're not like this is their thing that like you're entering into. This isn't like your thing you share with them or your thing that they're messing up or like a neutral party that like both of you are entering and they're fucking up. This is their thing. Like they are the Democratic Party. You're just some fucking schmuck. Right. And and I mean th- these guys have been, I mean so what happened in Iowa? Is that the 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 fucking app that they use to uh, to tabulate the results and to uh, to have the caucus uh, the people who are sort of chairing the caucuses each site send in the results? It just didn't work, right? And and it it, it we've been wondering about this app for a while, haven't we? Like we we've both been sort of curious about it. Yeah, there were a couple like news stories that came out like before the caucus. I think late January mm-hmm. that were basically flagging this and saying, okay, they're going to use an app that l- no one knows where it came from, who it's been tested against mm-hmm. or like who made it. Well, the only name that we had that was associated with it was one Robert Mook or <laughs> Robbie Mook, <laughs> Bob Mook. Ooh, that, he should go by that. Ugh. Bob Mook. And Bob Mook is the, uh, was Robbie sort of the Obergruppenführer. Of the Clinton campaign, he was what? She is a fucking. I mean, hey, speak on it. Yeah, I, well, don't don't mind me, sister. Uh, <laughs> so he was, I think, what was he? Our campaign manager. So he was the campaign manager uh, of the Hillary Clinton campaign, and he famously did a really bullshit job. Which, by the way, I don't want Hillary Clinton to win, so it's not my fucking problem. You know um, what's funny is that, and this has also been lost to, this has been like memory hold or whatever people say. Is that what people say? I mean, I don't know. I pretty much only talked to you and you. <laughs> okay, anyway. But um, they had, the thing that Robbie Mook developed for that campaign was like an algorithm. Okay. Do you remember this? Speak on it, yeah. 
So they had an algorithm that was telling them how to allocate campaign resources and get voters out. And it was this whole thing. And they built it up like this is this tech first mm-hmm. campaign. We're doing all this, blah, blah, blah. And the algorithm, oh man, the algorithm had a name too. It was like Alice or something like that. Yeah, here, let me look it up. But yeah, just keep talking. And um, anyway, like obviously, uh, hello, that didn't work. She's not the fucking president. And they've just completely like buried any memory that this was like their big. Its name was Ada. Ada, that's yeah, right. Ada Braun. No. <laughs> anyway, it's just really funny. Uh, yeah, and while he's back, he is serving as a consultant for for a little a little company I like to call Acronym. Acronym is a nonprofit uh, that that is started by a woman named Tara McGowan, which that last name should give you a little bit of pause. And a guy named Michael Dubin, who is the third in the polycule of Glenn and Eva Dubin, who were Epstein Associates. Just making that up. He is actually, it's even worse. He's the guy who made up the Dollar Shave Club. Uh, so they are sort of the people who started this project. It's a nonprofit to sort of get down to digital. Tara McGowan is a former Obama 2012, which was the easy one. They were both pretty easy. 2012, which was the easier one. She was the digital person. And uh, and she decided that, like, hey, the Democrats, they got smoked by Trump in the uh, 2016 campaign on digital mm. because Hillary Clinton's probably the least likable person since Ada von Braun. And, and she was like, well, I got to bring this. I got to bring this to another level. So she's like, I need to raise $75 million. And she's with the guy, Michael Dubin. And we are going to turn things around for the Democrats. So this is where things get a little cool. A guy named Reed Hoffman steps mm. in. You know, Reed Hoffman, who is, I believe, the LinkedIn uh, uh, CEO. CEO. Well, I was trying to think of another, like, SS title. But it's, they're all just variations of Group and Fuhrer. Uh, he is the LinkedIn guy, mm. and uh, and and this is according to from reporting from Max Blumenthal at the Gray Zone. He uh, he came in and helped give Tara a big boost, and he started a firm investing in like U.S. digital. Or excuse me, it's called Investing in U.S. And they invested in sort of digital stuff for Democrats. Now the cool thing is about Reed Hoffman is Reed Hoffman, of course, is a billionaire, and billionaires do this really cool thing where they hang out with Jeffrey Epstein, and so in 2015. Uh, you might recall this. This was a, sort of a minor piece of news uh, next to the Joy Edo stuff. Uh, Hoffman invited Joy Edo and Jeffrey Epstein to a dinner in Palo Alto in 2015 with Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, and Peter Thiel. Who, by the way, mm, yeah, that's a. I'm too afraid to even do the special. Don't noise. do the sound. I'm too afraid. Yeah, uh, making that's your a heads. serious guy. That's a serious fucker. Yeah. Like, it's not, don't, don't, that's, that's black magic evil spirits right there. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, this is a quote Gray Zone sort of plucked out about, about Reed Hoffman's thing. And he had a little guy named Melhorn, who was sort of his, his little, uh, his little worm boy in charge. There was no risk capital or growth capital arm of the resistance, so that is what we've tried to build. Now, in terms of what that implies, that implies that we are backing founders, so people who we have think we think have big, potentially game-changing ideas. And one of those people was Tara McGowan, who who started this acronym thing. And acronym is it did this cool thing where they're a nonprofit but owns for-profit companies, which doesn't seem right to me. And Tara herself is a is a consulting firm and etc. Yeah, basically, I mean that's the whole. This is one of the grifts, mm-hmm. right? And this is kind of a famous 
you know, this is a little trick where acronym is a 501c4 nonprofit, uh-huh. but then it has a web beneath it of for profit companies. So there was Lockwood Strategy, mm-hmm. Shadow, the one that developed the app. Yeah. One called Rogue Swag. So Rogue Swag, they actually just made bootleg stuff for the Star Wars film Rogue One. <laughs> no, that's Donald actually Trump is the... what's funny. And this is from like a, there was, there's that, do you remember? It's called Ozzy. And they yes. did like a festival. Ozzy Y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this was like, there was a profile on her in that dumbass fucking blog or whatever they are uh-huh. that's another look ozzy that's this is part of the consultancy media exactly grift. like do you know that no one's like paying for but there's millions of dollars here yes this all ties in with private equity with people dumping money and investment mm-hmm. and it's a fucking scam anyway this is rogue swag and apparel arm that would be the first major liberal answer to conservative companies that skirt campaign finance laws by selling politically branded clothing over facebook Oh, is that what spreading political messaging without having to report the spending? Okay, so like T-shirts that say like, for instance, Darth Putin. Yes, exactly. But Darth is or Don Putin. Um, but what? So basically, the 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 whole little trick Mm -hmm. is that acronym can maintain its nonprofit status. Very cool. Cool. While having (laughs) these for-profit companies under it. Now, um, you know. Tara, 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 I'm whatever. calling it Tara because it's kind of like a not as, Tara sounds a little too sexy for me. Whatever. You know, she would have, she wouldn't take a salary from the nonprofit, mm-hmm. but she could pay herself from the for-profit companies. So like, That's kind of the little grift. So for instance, acronym or their pack, they have a pack called? Pacronym. Mm, speak Just, on it, sister. That's a right there. Yeah, give us a uh, Pacronym. So Pacronym can do something that I think is really cool, like pay Lockwood Strategies. Pacronym, which is the pack for Acronym, the company, that, or the nonprofit that this woman is in charge of, they can get a million dollars and then they can give that million dollars to her consulting company. And then they spend it on advertising in, I think, Pennsylvania for Democrats. And her own personal whatever. She can just spend it. Yeah, because here it is. Acronym spokesman declined to reveal McGowan's salary, but confirmed she does not own it, any equity in the for-profit companies. AKA, she doesn't own equity. She's getting a salary. And here's the thing, too. Whenever you hear anything like that, they are getting money. They just, like, are able to hide it. Yeah. Never believe a word that these fucking, these ghouls have to say. Privately, Washington consultants gripe that her nonprofit umbrella model is duplicitous because she could still be paying herself exorbitant amounts through the private companies beneath it. And that is what we're trying to get at. This is the whole entire structure. It's a way of legally laundering money. Yeah. And that's the thing is like these people, this is like good to them because these are like, you know how, how I think some people still think that we're like kind of all on the same side or whatever. We just believe it by degrees. It's like these people don't. Yeah, we're just going to push these people left. These people do not, cannot, will never believe what you believe. They will always believe the exact opposite. <laughs> like they hate you. They think of you like a little piggy that they can skin bacon slices off of, fry up, and then fucking eat you. I mean, I think too, it's just that, you know, you know, like I was saying, like, okay, 
this company is structured mm-hmm. to launder money to their to the owner. When you put it that way, respect. But yeah, go on. Now, what's key is it's also structured to bleed off and get private contracts from the DNC. Yes. And from politicians. And, yeah. you know, crucially from state parties mm-hmm. and local parties. Because they go to them and they say, Trump's really killing you in the meme war. Yeah. And then the, the guys go, oh, hmm, you're right. Oh, meme war, that sounds serious. We better get some money behind this. We better this. get some money on this. And they say, well, look at that. Whoop, we got, we're going to use $75 million to do something. Well, I can tell you something. I can tell you something they did. What? That fucking little, that little, that gift or picture you've been seeing of Nancy Pelosi ripping the papers. That is part of the Democrats' digital strategy. And I guarantee you, with no, like, 0% uncertainty, that she was told to do that by someone exactly like Tara McGowan so that people could make memes out of it. Like, that is, that is a, like, you saw, you showed me earlier, she pre-ripped the papers under the table. That stuff like that, stunts like that, those are entirely, like, that is part of the Democrats' digital strategy because they think they can win the meme war against Trump, which they cannot. Yeah, and here's the other thing that I'm trying to get at, mm-hmm. is that it's not just that these people are dumb. Of course they're dumb. Everyone's yeah. dumb, except for us yeah. and you listening to us. But it's not that they're dumb. It's that literally their jobs are dependent on them losing. Uh-huh. And it's not it. even conscience, conscious. I'm not saying that this is a conscious whatever. Uh-huh. But in order for these consultancy grifts to keep flowing... And crucially, to keep expanding, Mm -hmm. they have to keep opening up new markets for them to exist. I see. And the only way to do that is well, this is look. I know that whatever we you know people, I don't know people think I'm like a vulgar Marxist or whatever, Mm -hmm. but this is true. Okay, I think you're a refined Marxist. Thank you. You know, it is the it is dependent on. All these new markets for this consultant class opening up is absolutely dependent on other things collapsing. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, losing losing the 26 campaign to Trump to a lot of these people was not like a ticket to the, you know, you're not gonna, they're not getting the bread line after that. They are getting in the bread line for more money. That I really feel guilty about saying that. Yeah, uh, sure. yeah. I we'll just move on. Uh, they like that was Tara McGowan would not be getting seventy five million dollars to make fucking Facebook ads and TikToks or whatever if Clinton had won. Yeah, and she'd get like twenty five million. But <laughs> well, again, and this is where I want to be like clear is that again, it's we're not asserting that these people are. It's a com- conspiracy to lose, you know? It's that idiots and incompetency is literally rewarded and incentivized because it continues the grift. Yeah. Right? So it's not a conspiracy, but it's also not just dumb people. It's that the structures and the, like, you know, the ability for those structures to not only continue to exist, but to continue it to expand is dependent on incompetency and incompetency and incompetency. 
Yeah, so this is just all like it doesn't matter that like Shadow fucked up the the Iowa caucuses. You know, like it's it's it'll be fine for these. Do you think that like Robbie Mook is gonna or David Plouffe is gonna stop getting invited on fucking MSNBC or CNN panels? Absolutely not. Like this is all, and this is true for the media as well. And this is why I despise the media so much is because all of this is just a way for them to make money. Like that's why that's why Trump was the greatest thing that ever happened to CNN or MSNBC or any of these people, especially MSNBC and CNN, is because their ratings went through the fucking roof. Because the whole thing, the whole like theatrics of the impeachment, the whole theatrics of the midterms, all of this shit is a way for them to sell advertising. Like that's what it is. And for all these other people, all of this is a way for them to make more money too. Exactly. So what you are is you're. I'm saying again, you're like a little piggy to them. So David Dayan, who I really like, mm-hmm. had a great uh, piece on this uh, prospect. Um, and I just want to read a little bit from it because I think he, you know, he says it clearer than I probably am. But he writes, but the spectacle has highlighted a much more consequential problem in America, something I have coined the bullshit economy. We've seen elements of it over all over the place. When MoviePass offered unlimited screenings for 10 bucks a month, when Uber gets 82 billion valuation for a low-margin taxi business it has never made a dime on, when WeWork implodes after the slightest scrutiny into its numbers, that's the bullshit economy at work. We have seen the farcical bullshit of Juicero and the consequential bullshit of Theranos. All this doublespeak is a hallmark of the bullshit economy. Your mind doesn't have to travel to the nether regions of conspiracy, but you can hardly blame people for doing so. This is reflective of the rolling incompetence covered by confidence within the modern economy, especially when you sprinkle on the labor-saving promise of techtopia. What the bullshit economy fails, when the bullshit economy fails, it robs people's belief in the basic bargain of commerce. The idea that you get what you pay for, that companies operate in good faith to provide quality service. But when placed in contact with politics, it just demolishes faith in the system. The bullshit economy spurs distrust. And I think that's, look, there is, and this is, you know, what he gets at. There is a straight line from the fucking WeWork CEO Uh to Acronym to the Pod Boys the Obama boys, uh-huh. to the way Nancy Pelosi fucking takes on impeachment or whatever she's on. It's all bullshit. Yeah, 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 it is. And it's funny. These guys are involved. Like, this is, I, th- those guys, first of all, are literally all connected to this. Like, all the Pod Save America guys. I mean, they party with these people. I think they serve, one of them serves on the board of acronym. David Plouffe, you talk about Uber. I mean, I'll get to that later. But David Plouffe, who fucking is on the board of, of, of goddamn acronym, he fucking works for Uber. It's like, all of this is connected. And they're all making so much money doing something that seems not just, like, meaningless, but, like, meaningless and harmful. Yeah, it well, it is literally the ultimate triumph of exchange value over use value. Uh-huh. Speak on it. So, I mean, it, you know, the party itself is structured to fail and to lose. It is not a coincidence or like an oopsie that the Democrats lost a thousand seats in the state's legislatures mm-hmm. in eight years. Yeah. That was Obama. It yeah. is not... A coincidence that Obama failed to appoint judges. Yeah. 
You know. Oh, you think you think that like it's okay. Go on. Uh, you know. I have a real question on whether or not Obama became president to get a Netflix deal. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. What's the bigger prize? That's what I'm saying. These people are yes. fucking grifters. Yes. It's all bullshit. It's all, it's like the fucking ultimate unending content mill that they just keep fucking going back to the trough at and building on more bullshit and more bullshit that doesn't fucking mean anything. And like David Dayan says, this is attached to politics and to fucking political institutions. This is a collapse you're witnessing. Well, well, check this out, though. I mean, Trump, for instance. I mean, I think a large part of how and why he became president is his brand, right? Mm. I mean, think of how well, think of how insanely well Donald Trump is going to do financially. After he leaves the White House, I mean, you obviously we all know he's using it for like, you know, uh, money purposes, like all of them do. But he's just like more out and kind of open about it. It's it it makes sense. He's like the distillation of this sort of vulgar political uh, project, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he look. People are gonna get mad at me for saying this, but it's true. Trump has more in common with Obama than anyone wants to admit. Okay. In terms of his, he is a complete and total exaggeration to the cartoonish level mm-hmm. of the dark sides and the dark trajectory that every president has been on. You know, it's like, it's just leading up to this cartoon version of Trump. Yeah. But what's yeah. the difference between the way Obama is getting rich off the presidency and the way that Trump will? I mean, because Obama's doing it in like he's doing a way with Netflix, with which, Netflix is like which is a cool company, cool but Trump guys. will do it with a not cool company. Yeah, well, he'll do what's it with the his fucking own difference company? between Netflix and OAN? No, materially, I, none, dude. Are exactly, you kidding me? and this is the kind of bullshit I'm fucking sick of. Well, here's the thing: I think people have a conception of Netflix or a you know whatever company you want to stand in there, but like Netflix type company is there as like somehow less fucked up than like an OAN. Yeah, it's whatever. the same shit. People are like Target is is nicer than Walmart. Yeah, because they do maybe some Because they whatever. fall for all the branding bullshit. Yeah. It's all just branding, which is another grift. And I think a lot of people, whether they believe it or not, think about this. Speaking of Robbie Mook, think about like this. When Ro- Robbie Mook was advised by Harvey Weinstein to call, uh, to, to, to sort of quash Erica Garner's endorsement of Bernie Sanders and yeah. to basically imply that Sanders is racist and that he's bad on guns or whatever. And the Clinton campaign really went with that. Tom uh, Perez, I think, kind of advised him on this uh, too. Yeah. We'll Tom get Perez to him. was like, Clinton, be racist. Or, excuse me, tell, tell people uh, Bernie Sanders is racist. And I think that, like, that branding worked on people. Whether they believe it or not, so I think there's a lot of like, or whether they whether they say they believe in it or not, so I think there's a lot of people kind of walking around who are like big Sanders people in 2016 who have this like slight sense of shame because like all of, you know for all the you know shrugging off the Bernie bro stuff and the socialism's racist stuff and all this Bernie Sanders is a Nazi kind of stuff, I think a little bit of it, of it stuck because these people are nothing if not good at branding. Right? Yeah. So you had a lot of people after 2016 being like, well, the left just needs to do better on race. And I'm like, you know, I'm not saying that the left is perfect on race. You know, that's not the point of what I'm saying. Well, it's I'm one, saying, it's, a, yeah, well, sorry. I'm saying it is, it is, it is a hell of a lot better than fucking Hillary Clinton. And I think a lot of people, and I've met a lot of people who buy.
bought into this just a little bit is that socialism was somehow inherently like racist or like for white people. And, and, and it's, 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 you're, you're saying that because that like was transmitted to you and you believe it because of that. Yeah. One thing I'll say about that. Let's see if I get in trouble for this. We'll find out. Um, is that the problem with people, and I do agree with you that a lot of that was internalized unconsciously or subconsciously, um, is that it, rather than fighting back on those claims, uh-huh. it absorbs the premise of the question and then counters it. So it says, and this is a big problem I have, is that they say, well, actually... While white, you know, working class has meant white working class, but what it really means is, and it's like, no, 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 working class is in and of itself, when you say it, it's it's always already multiracial. Yeah. It is always already a category that includes all identities. It is all identities are subsumed under the moniker working class. What you reject is even the idea that it has ever meant white working class. It has never meant that. It has always just meant working class. Yeah, the working classes, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I completely agree with you. And so you, what you have is then, and this is what you're saying, when you see people internalizing that little Democrat brain, mm-hmm. so they say, well, it isn't a white working class. It's, or while it's meant white or while while it's been known as the white working class it's actually our white our working class coalition is xyz blah 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 yeah and it's very subtle but it is absorbing and basically um, like refracting yeah it's it's acknowledging the critique as legitimate by saying that it needs to push back on it rather than just rejecting it wholesale yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people think they have to because because I mean, listen, you had the entire like state apparatus and uh, include the media and politicians mm-hmm. and everybody telling you one thing. And I think if you grow up sort of somebody who like maybe hasn't hasn't really been able to fully flesh out what they believe or like know all the history or like really be engaged in it before, you know, maybe a couple months before you hear this. But hearing this from all those people, it's like, well, they wouldn't lie to me, right? Like, I know we all kind of want the same thing, like liberalism and, you know, I, we've been through this before, I won't repeat myself. But like, it's, 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 these people do not care. Like, I don't know how many, I, I, I am going to have to say this a million times. These people don't care about like racism. Like Hillary Clinton doesn't care about racism, Robbie Mook doesn't care about like Black Lives Matter or any of these things. They're fucking, they're vampires. Like they are literally undead, like ghouls, ghouls who will kill you. And like you, 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 like you wouldn't, you wouldn't, if someone is knocking on your door and just yelling lies at you, you're not going to let them in, you know, hear them out, have a cup of, a cup of Joe with them and then see them out the door and think about what they said for the rest of the day. No, you shoot them on the doorstep. And like that's that's I think what people should do. Just 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 to hell with it all, you know? Let's talk about Iowa. I don't know how long we've been going for, but let's talk about Iowa. Speak on it. 
No, I think what you're getting at is a good transition into something I've been thinking about a lot with regards to the results of the Iowa caucus, Mm -hmm. which is that, um, I mean, okay, I feel good. I will say that. I'll preface it by saying I feel good. Well, yeah, we just went to bar. We just did bar class together. (laughs) I feel great too. No, no. I will say that I feel good. What gives me hope Mm -hmm. is that Biden is what looks like tanking. Yeah. I think his campaign's having a stroke. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Um, But the reason why that makes that is like a very good news is, um, you know, as it's been sort of looked at by people smarter than me, a lot of Biden voters should migrate to Bernie. Yeah. Theoretically. Yeah. Now. People who like B names. But Buttigieg is too hard to pronounce. <laughs> well, so this is like, okay, let me see. How do I, how do I get into this? Okay. So you mentioned 2016. Mm-hmm. And the people, people internalizing uh, Democrat critiques from yeah. 2016. So I think that like not... I think a lot of people took some of the wrong lessons from 2016 when they were looking at the Sanders campaign. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of just like thinking through this out loud. Okay. Speak on it. But uh, yeah, we can just edit it out if I say something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> 15 minutes later. Yeah. So <laughs> wait, coming back to it. Okay. So Sanders benefited from running against Hillary. Yes. Yeah, we understand that. Yes. No, 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 because I think so many people were just looking for a reason to not vote for Hillary. Yeah. Because yeah. of all the baggage, people were angry. It was more, you know, it's not, I don't mean reactionary in a like reactionary sense. Uh, like literally reacting to something. Exactly. Yeah. And it seems that kind of rather than looking at the Sanders 2016 coalition, and I mean coalition of, you know, the people have voted for him, mm-hmm. his base, whether or not that's his actual base, but th- that would be his voter yeah, base. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. As kind of perhaps needing that foil in order to kind of like maintain that. There was a kind of sense that what everyone was reacting to was simply his policies. Maybe there's a bunch of secret leftists out there that were. He was resonating with, et cetera, et cetera. And that, I think, is wrong. And what we're seeing, um, what's unfortunate is that when you look at the data, right, from Iowa. I hate doing that, but go on. That the, you know, you look at the difference between the, you know, state delegates that Sanders got in 2016 and those that he got in uh, 2020. It still feels weird saying 2020. Mm-hmm. I usually just say 2021 to confuse people. <laughs> that basically his entire base is now split. Yeah. And a big fraction, and this goes against common knowledge for some reason, but this is true. A big fraction of his 2016 base is now for Elizabeth Warren. Uh huh. Not Hillary voters, Sanders voters. Yeah. This is a problem. Yes. Because, again, when you look at the data from Iowa, and I should say that I don't think that Iowa is representative of, like, all the Midwestern states. But when you look at it, what you see is that he is directly competing with Warren in areas 
where he's doing well. So in urban areas where he's doing well, Warren is also doing, Warren is cutting into it. So her like factory committees are against Sanders factory committees. Like they was sort of split in like the, the urban proletariat <laughs> where, where a lot of the sort of more bricklayer types went for Warren and then the, the generally like the city employees, janitors, et cetera, go for Sanders. Uh, well, I don't know about that breakdown, but okay. I'll just say that, so that is, she is directly, you know, and again, look at the data. She is directly eating into his delegate count. Mm-hmm. Pete, where he was, Pete was really smart. His campaign was really smart and basically threw all of its, uh, you know, energy into more rural voters and the rural sections of Iowa there, the like percent, you know, the state delegate like counts for the state delegate. You get more state delegates from the rural areas than you do the urban ones. Yeah. It's called Iowa Maoism. It's the the countryside (laughs) versus the city. Yeah. The countryside surrounds the city. So he was able to basically, even though he got less votes, he gets more state delegates Mm -hmm. because look, it's the fucking game. This is how the game is played. Yeah. That's not, by the way, I just want to say that's not being robbed. That's just, this is the game. Yeah. Okay. So we have a fucking problem here is what I'm getting at. Because Elizabeth Warren, and look, we did all those two episodes about her, is, you know, Elizabeth Warren is directly competing with Sanders. And this is a problem because the only thing that matters, the only game that we're playing is who can get to a majority of pled, pledged delegates the quickest. So who can get to 1,900 before the other people? Yeah, it's not 1,900 even. I can't remember what the actual... It's like 19-something-something. It something. appears to be 1,488 delegates no. to win the uh, Democratic... <laughs> Is that? No? Yeah, CBS. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. It's 19-something. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, 33. Ooh, that's no. not a great year either. <laughs> anyway... Will you look up the real number, actually? Uh, okay, but just keep talking so they can't hear the tippy-tappy of me on my okay. gaming PC that I brought with full monitor. <laughs> to uh, oh, I just literally looked up 1933. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> How many delegates do you need to become the next steward of Empire? Okay, okay, okay. So my point is that this is not a traditional election. Yeah. So this is not, or this is not a traditional primary. And what I mean by that is the only, like Sanders is the front runner. Mm -hmm. He is the assumed front runner. He, you know, is leading, uh, as of yesterday, he was leading in 538, you know, uh, trajectories. Obviously those change a lot, but I'm just saying he's the kind of assumed front runner. Everyone is playing to stop Sanders. Yeah. So he has an asymmetric path to the nomination. Because since everyone else is just trying to stop him, the game is to just cut into as many delegates as they can in order to stop him from getting a majority. And you know what the number he needs is? What is it? 1991. Thank you. Yeah, the year of Desert Storm. <laughs> um, okay, so this is the game. We said previously on the podcast that there cannot we we cannot walk into Milwaukee without Sanders having a pledged majority. 
No. There is no game. Game over if he doesn't get 1991. Yeah. And he needs, like, so he needs to win. He can't just go in there with it incomplete or else kind of game's over for us. Because in the second round, the Superdelegates get Exactly. To game over before it even started. Yeah. Because we don't know what kind of... They could pull whatever they want at the convention, but he has to have... He has to be able to make it on the first round. Mm-hmm. So, 1991. Okay, so that means that, you know, okay, so in a traditional election primary... What usually happens is we say, you know, Sanders won Iowa, or Pete won Iowa, or Sanders wins New Hampshire, mm-hmm. or Sanders wins South Carolina, or and then, you know, you get, you know, you pick up steam, there's a media narrative, and others have an incentive to drop out because they don't have money, and they want to, con- you know, consolidate around the nominee, et cetera, right? This is not a traditional election, like I said. So... The incentive for every single candidate is to stay in as long as possible. To deny Sanders a nomination. Yes. Yeah. And so it doesn't actually fucking matter who wins the states. The yeah. only game we're playing here is pledged delegate count. So we're numbers guys right now. We are. We're... Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so... I'm really fucking serious though, you guys. So like, it is... There is literally a... Like, Sanders could win every state on Super Tuesday... And still lose the nomination. Whew, that is fucking stupid. Okay? So you got to get this through your heads. It doesn't fucking matter if you, you know, okay. They, they stopped him from quote unquote winning Iowa is, as a media narrative. And now you see Pete Buttigieg. God, I fucking hate saying his name. Mayor Pete is PB up four points in New Hampshire mm-hmm. as of like... 10 minutes ago, apparently. Um, Sanders is down one point. Okay, he gets a media bump. Yeah, that fucking sucks. Okay? Pete and Sanders still walk away with 11 delegates each. So that's where we're at. Uh Uh-huh. But the reason I keep harping on Warren is that she is competing directly with Sanders for the, the base that he should have been able to fucking keep from 2016... And bring into 2020 while adding new voters to his base. So rather than going into 2020 with a base consolidated, he had to spend basically the last fucking four years winning back his fucking base, winning over his base, which he was only able to retain half of for reasons that I'm not going to get into, but I have the fucking receipts. Uh you know, Wallace Warren took half of it. Mm -hmm. So, look, I'm not being pessimistic. I'm just trying to be clear-eyed and sober because I do feel good about the chances, but it's important to, like, understand what game we're playing. So, like, for example, because the delegates are awarded proportionally, she, like, he needs to have such a big fucking haul on Super Tuesday that she needs to get out. Uh-huh. Or she needs to be beaten to like such a small percentage that it stops eating into what he can take. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm really worried about Liz Warren. I still think she got like 18%. She's competing directly with him in Iowa where he's doing well. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. I worry that, I mean, here's the thing that's like perversely, Pete being in the race is good for us. Because well, yeah, him and Warren have... 
Yeah. Like, as uh, he's not going to have as much of a chance, especially in states with more uh, different demographics. Rather. Yes. He doesn't do well among, like, black people, for Unless, instance. perhaps, Obama steps in. I'm not even going to entertain well, that. Well, that would be, that I mean, that would, be, really that, would be, that would be sort of the atom bomb there, is if Pete looks like he's the only one who can do it, and if there is a path for him, Obama, of course, would step in. Right? I don't know. I mean, Biden, again, Biden going out, maybe some of those votes go to Sanders. Sanders has a great team out in Nevada. He, you know, he's got a great team in New Hampshire. I don't know. I'm feeling, now I just like talk myself into being nervous <laughs> again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted, yeah. Um, I just like, I feel like everyone's like not looking at this right. It doesn't matter about winning states. It's, it's the pledge delegate count. You've got to get behind the delegate count. Yeah. He can win California, but if he doesn't get the, uh, enough delegates, yeah. But what does that like over. look like, sort of in practice, though? Because in practice, you still just got to like phone bank and text messages, and all that. Kind Are you of talking shit. about us? No, just people in general. I mean, I, you, you can follow the horse race any way you like, but if he gets, if he wins the state, you know what I mean? It's no, like not sure, if the, like saying, how us looking at it isn't really going to change anything. Well, no, it is going to change. It is going to change because you have to understand that you can't keep saying, well, we won Iowa, we won Iowa, we're going to win New Hampshire, we're going to win New Hampshire. But if you don't win the number of delegates, you're not actually fucking winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's important because you don't want to end up in a situation where you're saying, but we're winning, we're winning, we're winning. And then whoops, you lost. Yeah. It's like, well, how did that happen? Well, no one was looking at the game right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like if it got, I don't know, I feel like if it got close enough, people would probably be like, oh, he's not going to not get enough. I think a lot of people are pretty nervous about a broker convention. Like, people yeah. talk about that quite a bit. And I don't know if that's going to happen. Like, I don't know if that would really be like, I, I feel like whoever, if it was that close, I feel like whoever got in second place would just get the super delegates and it would be over and done with. I feel like, I don't know, broker convention, I feel like would go like I don't insane. think the party would want one. Because no, I think it would, it would break like, the party. Yeah, it would be really bad for them. But I still think that people... Well, first of all, you got to take the Menneker Pledge, which is that you won't vote for anybody but Bernie Sanders. <laughs> and you got to be very vocal about it. And you also have to tell people it's called that when you take it. <laughs> uh, and you have to take it publicly in front of your family. <laughs> Hopefully in front of journalists if you ever encounter any. Uh, you know, if you go to some sort of sordid gutter. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's... I mean, there's no reason why you can't just do, like, another 1968 situation, but, like, uh, times a bunch, because there's technically more people alive now. I don't know. I think the institutions are so weak that they couldn't do it. And the, the thing that's different is also, too, it's like when you say the party, you know, it's like the, the party apparatchiks probably don't want a contested convention because it would completely delegitimize the entire operation. Yeah. But then it's like you've got careerists in the race like Mayor Pete and Liz Warren. Who knows what they want? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think uh, – what do you mean who knows what they want? Like what they want out of like the convention I mean, or like – I know. I know. You know, it's like, yeah. I mean, Pete might want a broker convention. He might think that's the only path that he has to nomination. Yeah. Right? So then it's like you're playing – you know, it's all different actors uh, with different incentives here. Mm-hmm. And then when I, you know, I, that might not be the same as what the larger, like what you would call the quote unquote party, which means, you know, a kind of vast panoply of different forces, different institutions would, would want. Yeah. Cause the party is pretty decentralized, right? Like it's, it's basically a bunch of different kind of scam artists making their little piggy banks. Yeah. Exactly what like, we're talking about. It's, it's not like 
there's not like I mean everyone knows this I feel like at this point but it's not like an actual political party it's just no. like a weird like brand that some people make money off of, and then some people get really mad when you say you're gonna kill every member of it <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is crazy. I mean, look, look, look at these. It's a business, right? David Plouffe, like I was talking about earlier. David Plouffe was like a head Obama guy. Like, he was one of the big guns in Obama's little gun cabinet uh, where he stole your guns and put them. Uh, by the way, he would have done that. He, they, If he had a third term, your guns would be gone. Uh, and the next Democratic president, if it's not Bernie Sanders, will also take your guns. Mm-hmm. So buy more. Uh, but David Plouffe, for instance, David Plouffe, like, I, 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 I want to explain, like, it's not, being a Democrat is bad. Like, Harvey Weinstein is like the er-Democrat. Yeah. All these, like, he's a rich rapist who's a, a pig and hates you. And, like, that is all of the ones, like, besides, like, the voters or whatever, that, and then, this is what I'm talking about, are the people who are, like, are the party, these sort of just people who have some money and hate you. Uh, that That is, this is who I'm talking like David Plouffe was the fucking guy who arranged the deal with Saudi Arabia to give $3.5 billion to Uber. Like, does that sound like something that's on your side? Like, you're not on, like, do you agree with that? Like, do you think that's like something that like is like a good political thing to do? Or like, do you think that's something a good some of the conscious could do? I don't think so. I think that like if you had to, if if someone presented you or me or anybody really uh, who was like a normal person with the opportunity to do business with the government of Saudi Arabia and Uber, they would likely decline because of uh, how uh, everything about both of those entities. Yeah, Uber is basically the Saudi Arabia of startups. Yeah, yeah, and in, and in, and in, and in, and in, the thing is with him in 2016. He goes to fucking Riyadh. He gets $3.5 billion from Saudi Arabia. He takes it back. He brings it to fucking... It was like two... They did it, I think, a wire transfer, actually. So I guess he didn't take it back. He gives it to Saudi Arabia. Travis Kalanick puts a fucking seat on the board specifically created for Saudi Arabia. Uh, At this time, Uber's like in this insane fight with this Chinese company who were, of course, uh, you know, just as enemy as America, any revolutionary defeatism, et cetera, we support, and I use this constantly to, to get around. It is a Chinese sort of Uber-like company called, I didn't really want to pronounce it because I'm going to pronounce it wrong and people's going to get mad at me, but I'm just going to call it Didi. Um, Apple invested a billion dollars in this Didi company. Uber had been spying on them. And so they're like, fuck, we need this more money. For, and they just keep going back to Saudi Arabia, keep going back from Saudi Arabia. In, in Saudi Arabia, women cannot drive. Or actually, no, now they can. I, actually, they really can't, but they did a couple Instagram videos where they could. Right. Uh, and if you are a woman in Saudi Arabia, you cannot get picked up by a male Uber driver. Or your husband can do all sorts of things for you. There's an app in the Apple Store that you can download if you are married in Saudi Arabia where it tracks your wife's movements and basically like will facilitate her not leaving the country. Uh, and these are the people, like, these are your Democrats. And I, I, I just want people to understand, like, Democrats and Republicans, people are like, it went out of vogue to say they're the same thing, but they are the same thing. Like, there's no difference between them to me. I, y- yes, some of them are nicer towards certain groups, and some of them are nicer towards other groups. I don't give a fuck. I hate them. I want them in prison. I want a prison so big, it, it, it's an open-air prison. And they just have to dig and dig and dig and dig and dig. Anyways, I don't like them. I think, like, my main takeaway from 
Iowa. Mm-hmm. And like, as we're talking through all this like consultant class and the grift on the grift on the grift, a big Ponzi scheme of grift, right? Is that we need to build a movement that can confidently, and I don't mean in this moment, but can confidently and strategically claim the DNC is illegitimate. Yeah. And what I mean is, and I mean that very differently from a kind of sense of we were robbed or it is rigged against us or whatever. But I think that, you know, and I, again, I'm getting, I don't know, whatever, but like some institutions are irredeemable. Yeah. Most, I would say. But I mean, you know, I, or they're just not reformable. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't think you can reform the DNC. I think the entire apparatus, and I mean that from everyone from Plouffe to McGowan to fucking Tom Perez to everyone else involved in everything, is completely irredeemable and cannot be reformed. Mm-hmm. And the entire fucking thing needs to be burned to the ground and the earth needs to be salted so it can never fucking come back. And yeah. we need to be able to, I mean, we have, we're, we don't have that yet. Fucking Bernie Sanders can't confidently say on television that Joe Biden is corrupt. No. Right? No, no. So we do not have a movement that feels confident in calling the fucking Democrats what they are. Yeah, because we can't, because people are still afraid of the, the blowback from it. But it's like, obviously, it's like something we can't see. Like, it's, it's crazy. I think people feel crazy because they can't say what they see in front of their own eyes, which is that Joe Biden is obviously corrupt. They're all corrupt. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, are you hot? Like, that is what 99% of Americans associate all politicians with, is corruption. Yes. The only one they don't associate that with, mostly, is Bernie Sanders. Right. But, like, it's, like, that's what, I mean, it's a money-making scam. It's a fucking scam. I'm going to quote one more thing because I just really liked the way this all put this together. This is from um, our friend Yves at Naked Capitalism. Because I just thought this was just really succinct way of saying, well, it's not that succinct, but we keep seeing this leadership class succeed in rent extraction and not much else. Go down the list. The post-crisis failure to reform the banks or even go through the motions by incarcerating a few execs and turfing out some board members. Our grossly overpriced, underperforming healthcare system. Our student impoverishing, impoverishing higher education system. The F-35. The botched Obamacare rollout. Our Middle East nation breaking, which has scored geopolitical own goals like destabilizing Europe, facilitating Russia, asserting itself as a geopolitical power despite having an economy the size of South Korea, and in the face of our economic sanctions, and making us deservedly disliked around the world. Hillary Clinton losing to, of all people, Donald Trump, despite spending twice as much as his campaign spend because her team was enamored of Robbie Mook's models and somehow forgot that the Electoral College existed. And if you believe, as Team Democrat does, that every problem can be solved with better PR, the corollary is you never admit to failure, you never do postmortems, and you keep incompetence around you that, who allow you to fail and fail and fail again. I, I do that last part, though. No. These people, they're, no. Like, I, I, I don't know how to, like, fucking get across my, like, hatred for all of these people. And what's even fucking worse is that every institution is designed to continue training new ones 
and training new ones. Oh, yeah. And all they know... Little Eichmanns. Little Eichmanns. They're all around there in the policy schools and on the marketing teams and on the app development teams and whatever. Uh-huh. Well, I don't think they train the app ones that well. They don't even fucking develop the apps, which is another thing we found yeah, out. They just had some other one, but some, which respect for doing that because I would also do that. They got the contract to do the app for the Iowa thing and then it's like, hey, can someone else do this? Or I just... sucked. I would... My app would suck shit. But they just are allowed to keep Failing and failing and failing. And again, to bring it back, they're allowed to do so because the entire fucking machine is built on their continued failure. Well, here's the thing I, here's the thing I say, and I've always said, is that if I fucked up at my job as bad as these people constantly fuck up at theirs, and this goes for fucking soldiers too. If I fucked up at my job that bad, I would be fired in a fucking heartbeat. Everyone would. You think Tara McGowan is going to go a day without someone giving her more fucking money? You think Robbie Mook suffered the most, like, historic embarrassment loss? Pathetic. You lost to Donald fucking Trump. You lost to Donald Trump. And he still gets paid more than any of us will see in our lifetime. Exactly. And that's the thing. And that's the thing you always got to remember. Is that if Bernie does win the nomination, these people will work. Like, these are not your misguided friends. These are not people shooting their yeah. own side. There is no such thing as friendly fire with someone like Robbie Mook or Tara McGowan or any of these fucking scumbags. They are your enemy. I'm just about uh, done with talking about that. <laughs> we like went all over the place again. Yeah, that one was kind of that one was kind of topsy turvy everywhere. But you know what? I got I got to get it off my chest. I'm rubbing my temple right now. That's is that? Do I? I'm look- just really frustrated. I'm fucking frustrated. Oh, wow, a woman frustrated. Frustrated. If someone told the- me not to do sexism anymore. When I was, there was a comment someone mm. left. I believe there were There's like, like a couple that have. Said I can't show them. this podcast to my friends because Brace does ironic sexism too much. Mm. And you know, I, my answer to that is it's not ironic. How do you show a podcast to friends? You can't. Ooh, yeah. Don't fucking try to fool me. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. If Liz gets to be the smart one, can I what? be the sexist one? I think we we like we switch. I'm sorry. We, you know. Sorry, I was Julian right there. I think you're the smart one a lot more than you think you are. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm smarter than her. Yeah, yeah, totally. I am. Usually, I would say, actually. (laughs) Uh, But no, listen, here about women, about sexism, here's what I got to say about that. Uh, Thank you for joining us (laughs) for another episode of... I love, I literally, I I love protecting women. I, that got under my skin. That got under my skin. I know. You know how much. Do you know what sexist. I do if I'm walking behind a woman uh, and it's just like a dark street and it's just me and her on the block? I cross the street so I don't have to walk behind her. 
That's nice of you. Yeah. And Grace I walk in front of her and then walk towards not, her. It's... <laughs> I don't do that. No, I walk across the street. No, Brace is a good boy, you guys. Yeah, don't I'm be... a, I'm a, I'm a little, just a little Jew. I'm just a squirrel trying to get a nut. <laughs> okay. Kind of ruined it with that, didn't I? Yeah, All right. Did. Well, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of uh, Pod. Uh, pod, fuck America. Pod, fuck my ass. Please, f- welcome to another episode of Please Fuck My Ass. <laughs> Uh, uh, my name is Tommy Theater. I am the theater critic for Pod Save America. Uh, and my, my name is also... What's the other? I feel like they're all named John. That's like kind of the... That's the that's sort of One the... of them looks like Stretch Armstrong. Who? Stretch Armstrong. Who's that? Is that a wrestler? All right. I don't know. Is that a, the Slim Jim guy? Okay, I'm Liz. Uh, my name... <sighs> they call me... Jeet here. <laughs> and we are joined by producer Young Chomsky. <laughs> Thank you for jo- Liz, play us out. We will see you after New Hampshire. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.